0: Alright, welcome back to the show. My name is Darcy, of course, and joining me as always is Jason. How's it going, buddy?
1: Not bad. The snow is melting, so it feels a little bit like spring. How is it down south?
0: Uh, It was feeling like spring, and then uh, we got a little bit of a snowstorm this afternoon, so that's always lovely.
1: Oh, that's awesome. You should be able to keep that weather down there.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you uh, really want it back up there, hey?
1: Terribly. (laughs) Oh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) So we got a, uh, we got a, I get these emails in from the Manitoba Métis Federation and their media releases, and then I go to find out that they actually go to the media, mainstream media with these things, and, uh, which is kind of too bad, because there was a media release late last week where, um, you know, basically David Chartrand is not only doubling down now, they've tripled down on their support of Justin Trudeau, and, it's very, very obvious how much campaigning they're doing for him. Um, so the media release, the fr- the original version of it, uh, was so respectful of Jody wilson Raybold that it spelled her name Judy wilson Raybold and didn't hyphenate her name. And then uh, two sentences in, they call her Raybould Wilson. And so they got that wrong as well. So highly respectful media release regarding... Um, the former Attorney General. Um, so basically what they did was they went on to say that um, for those who don't know, I believe what happened was uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, when she was leaving the office of Attorney General, she was, I believe, offered one of the roles at in the Indigenous Affairs Department, whatever it's called now. Um, I think it was the services role, which I think might have been Jane Philpott's, but I'm not sure. And she declined it for a number of reasons and then she was given Veterans Affairs. So, um, so that's, that's where we're at today. Uh, She declined it. uh, I believe one of her reasons is that uh, she doesn't feel that it's right for an Indigenous person to be at the helm of essentially the genocide department towards Indigenous people. Now that's her personal belief. That's why she, I think she turned it down. And that sentiment is mirrored by a lot of uh, First Nations specifically that I know, is that they don't believe that um, an Indigenous person should be the head of the Indian Act. So that was kind of her reasoning, uh, and they basically criticized and critiqued her for that. And I have a quote here that I wanted to read. Um, For her to decline the position, I think, is kind of deceptive. In my view, I find it hypocritical to say you want to serve Indigenous people but won't step up to the most important position. And that was David Chartrand, president of the Manitoba Métis Federation. What are your thoughts on his, uh, I guess his position on that, Jason?
1: Well, I I agree with your earlier statement. I really don't understand why an Indigenous person would want to take on that role um, because that's a no-win scenario. So basically you're going to administrate, you know, the most sexist piece of legislation we probably have left in, in colonial government. And as a, you know, and and as a woman, you're going to step in there and and do what Um, her party already had the chance to repeal that legislation and didn't do so for financial reasons. And so to be able to step in there and then what perpetuate that, (laughs) you know, if you were ever in a, in a mood to kill your career as a politician, I guess that'd be one way to do it.
0: Absolutely, and, and uh, some other quotes that I, I took from this media release um, just kind of blow me away with the audacity to say say these statements. And uh, again, I'm quoting David Chartrand from the Manitoba Métis Federation. Uh, the biggest stumbling block for the Métis Nation, First Nations or Inuit, as they assert their sovereignty in this country, is the Department of Justice and the Attorney General. Look at the Daniels case, or our 32-year land claim case. Um, He went on to say that uh, this could have been the crown jewel of reconciliation if she had taken the job and dismantled the Indian Act. Um, And then he goes on to state, I state unequivocally her belief that no Indigenous person should be Minister of Indigenous Services is wrong. There are many past and present Métis leaders, (laughs) chiefs and Inuit leaders, who would stay the course and make the bold changes to the Act and who would not put their personal preferences over the pursuit of reconciliation. So there's so much in those statements to break down. First of all, um, what I find interesting is he's saying that uh, you know, basically she's a hypocrite because you know, her role as Attorney General was the biggest stumbling block for all Indigenous people. Um, and any points that looks at look at the Daniels case which I want to point out that they never supported until it was very clear it was going to the Supreme Court and then or it you know is definitely on its way there and then they suddenly jumped into the fray but they actually wrote letters to Harper to try to get him to define metis so that they could av- so that basically could shut down the Daniels case so I, I thought that was interesting that they' they're, they're referencing that. I mean, this and what stands out from, for you from some of that, Jason?
1: Well, I, I think the problem is, and I think, you know, I, it show may show a little bit of naivety on the part of, uh, the statement is that just because a politician is the head of a department does not give them the ability to just unilaterally bring about change. Yes. Um, we already seen that the, you know, like I brought up before with the sexism that exists within the act, that the Trudeau government was unwilling to repeal that. Now, if Jody had stepped into that position, she would be saddled with that in a party that has already demonstrated that they don't want to change that. Yes. Absolutely. So yeah. She couldn't just, <laughs> excuse me, unilaterally come in there and say, now that I'm in charge, watch out we're gonna cause changes yes
0: yeah absolutely I mean if it, I mean what what is she going to do in that role that is so dramatically different than anybody else in that role first of all um, because yeah that, that's a I think that's one of the the biggest issues with this state with that particular portion of of the quotes that I said is it um, to me it shows a, a huge ignorance for how the Indian act works and how the Constitution works, and how just changing these things isn't necessarily that easy. Um, And, I mean, I I think it's a very naive look at things to think that she could just walk in, snap her fingers, and suddenly the Indian Act is no more. Um, What they don't know is that she actually was working as the Attorney General towards dismantling some of these things in the Indian Act, um, because of her role as attorney general. However, she was running into, uh, you know, party politics and, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes on in that house that we don't necessarily hear about or see on the news, which is where those stumbling blocks are that you were talking about. So I, I do think it shows a huge naivety or I guess a willful desire to, to berate somebody just for, by saying these things. It's easy to say those things, but they don't, it makes them look like they don't really understand how the process works or how things happen. So
1: Well, I think you started off right. I think it's about politics and it's about politicking and it's about trying to paint Justin Trudeau in the best light possible and add add a lot of distraction and subterfuge to the conversation. And they're using Jody as an escape goat to, to take the eye off of Justin Trudeau coming up to the election. You know? Yeah. It was Justin Trudeau who decided that they were not going to address the sexism in the Indian Act. It is Justin Trudeau that has yes. kept the Indian Act status quo. The yes. funding caps and all the rest of these things are in, intact because of him and his politics. Yes, Jody has nothing to do with it. And so trying to shift the eye over to her, that somehow if she'd only taken the, the, the role in the, you know this department, you know we would be seeing even more golden years of wonderfulness, um, I think is really just misleading.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we still don't have equal education funding. That has nothing to do with Jody Wilson-Raybould. We don't have equal, uh, you know, um, Cindy Blackstock is still fighting for equal funding for children in care. That's not uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould. Um, you know, and, and the, the things you said as well, like we're, there's still inequities that no Minister of Indigenous Affairs is going to fix because it's up to the party, it's up to the government, it's up to ju- the Prime Minister to decide these things. And, you know, I mean, let's face facts, if you're in the party and you're in the governing party, uh, you do what the upper echelon of that party wants and everybody has to fall in line. So, yeah, like, it, it's it's not as easy as just walk in and make changes. I mean, that that sounds really simple. That's that's not how government works. So I, I think it is very deceptive. I think it's very clear they're who they're campaigning for. But I think further along this is it's just trying to cast more, you know, shadow onto her and like you said, paint JT into this like, oh, what an amazing answer to our prayers. So it's just it's disingenuous to say the least, I think. Um and yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's like we talked about before. It's a good PR game. It's uh, a good distraction. It's you know subterfuge to to take you know um, you know put the blame on Jody instead of putting where, where it belongs. And that's on on Justin. And so you know and that's what this statement really is about. It's about more spin. It's about yeah. you know you know misdirecting people from the fact that we're running into an election. They want you know they. MNC and its subsidiaries want you to vote red.
0: <laughs> yes. Know,
1: don't don't vote blue. Don't vote green. Don't vote any other color. There's only red and you better vote it or your money's going to go.
0: Absolutely. And
1: so, you know, when you, you have problems in the fact that we have huge problems within the Indian Act today, it doesn't matter what department they want to split it up into or how many, there we have fundamental problems. And I can't see, in all honesty, what sane Indigenous person would want to get into that portfolio knowing full well, you can't make any changes.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it puts you in a really bad position if you're an Indigenous person with Indigenous people, if you get into that job and then realize, I oh, I can't do anything here. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a quote in there, and, and I don't know if she said this, so it. You know, Chartrand said she said this, but uh, it was something like uh, asking her to be in that role is like asking Nelson Mandela to participate in apartheid, and uh, he, which he vehemently disagreed with her on, and and how Nelson Mandela worked with other blah 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 to dismantle apartheid. But it, it's like, yeah, but you're missing the point, um, David. And I and I think you know some of these other things that I think he said have things that stand out for me as well, like. When he says um, there are many past and present Métis leaders, chiefs, and Inuit leaders that would stay the course, part of me wonders: is he perhaps setting up? uh, You know, is this a setup for not in this election, but maybe the next election to run for for some party in that role? I don't know. Like, is he setting himself up to be in that position one day? Is is that what he's trying to allude to? So it, I don't know. I mean, when you hear something like that, doesn't, what do you think?
1: Well, I think that's the challenge though, is he's saying, you know, if this was a real indigenous leader, you know, not like Jody, yeah. but a real indigenous leader, yeah. they would have jumped in there wholeheartedly and brought about these changes. And I think that is a conversation that's misleading because it, it it's trying to put out there that any good leader could get in there and make real changes. But we've already seen, as we just said, that the Trudeau government has already said they're not going to make those changes. Yes. So it really becomes a, a whole, you know, confabulated thing then. Well, in theory, but the truth of the matter is the meat and potatoes of the matter is you could put any leader you want in there, any indigenous person you want in there, the best and the brightest among us, and they still wouldn't be able to make the changes that cool. they want.
0: Absolutely. And I. I, you made a really good point that um, you know he's saying well if you know real leaders and I, I never even thought of that that way um, because when I look at how he listed it Métis leaders, chiefs, I mean these are all colonial constructs. Um, the 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 style of quote unquote government that the Métis cartel organizations have is colonial. Right now, it's based on nonprofit corporations. Here soon it will be, a quote, you know, their own government, which is a joke in and of itself. Um, but, I mean, <laughs> these are colonial constructs. Um, same thing with chiefs. Uh, that's a colonial construct for for many Indigenous nations. Uh, the chief, the council, all that kind of stuff, that's all colonial. So it, it's very interesting how this colonial mindset is coming after her Saying, well, if you were a real leader, like all these other colonial leaders are real leaders, then they'd make changes. But you know goddamn well that if he were to get into that position, he wouldn't make the changes either. He would toe the party line because he likes to get paid. So it's, I, I just, I never thought of it that way until he said that. And I was like, hmm. And I noticed how he's well, talking very colonially.
1: And he, that's right. And, and that's what people need to understand when, as we're heading into an election There's a bloody good reason that Justin Trudeau didn't address sexism within the Indian Act is because he has to go back to the voter and explain why this portfolio is going to triple in its budgetary costs. Yes. Because they have so disenrolled, you know, First Nations people that they'd have to do it right. Yes. And give these people back their legitimate entitlement under the act, which is, you know, that's another conversation, but the reality is they're legitimately supposed to be there. Yes. And how do you go back to the settler society and say, Hey, look at this, all this money we've got to do. There's a reason they're not doing it. Yes. But to, but to throw shade at at Jody for this, to say, well, she'd only taken up the cause and picked up the banner, you know, like a real leader would, you know, (laughs) boy, we could really get some shit done around here. You know that? That's all confabulated conjecture that's not real.
0: Oh, absolutely, completely. And what I thought was interesting, too, is when he accuses her of saying, uh, you know, they would have stayed the course and not put their personal preferences over the pursuit of reconciliation. And I, I can't help but laugh at that in for, for a number of reasons. But first of all, if she was putting her personal preferences over the pursuit of reconciliation, she would have taken the job because it comes with a hell of a lot of perks, a big travel budget. Um, it comes with a massive salary, just like she had as Attorney General. She gets to stay in the Privy Council. She gets she gets all these perks and benefits, and she makes you know several hundred grand a year doing it if she's a minister. But she actually now, because she's not a minister, and let's be very clear, she's still in the Liberal Party caucus. She has not been removed from the Liberal Party. She is still a Liberal member of Parliament, but she's taken a, wa- a huge wage cut. Uh, she's out of the Privy Council. She's out of So she's actually taken a lot of personal hits, and likely her political career has taken a massive hit on this. So what is her personal gain on this, is what I would ask. If she's putting her personal preferences over reconciliation what is her personal is to make less money and have less uh, power and authority and have, <laughs> you know, be essentially relegated to being a backbencher. That's, that's her putting her personal life ahead of the reconciliation. I, that seems, uh, again, disingenuous and a little weird.
1: <laughs> and again, it, but that's what, what this is all about. It's a ge- a great statement to, to make Jody the bad guy. To make Justin the good guy, to throw shade in a direction so that it's misdirection from the real facts and, and from the real history of what's gone on for the last four years under the Trudeau government. Absolutely, I mean, its dealings with Indigenous people—it yep. is very clear. Yes, you know. And I don't think that anymore that Justin Trudeau is the savior for the Métis people. I don't think that uh, the MNC is going to somehow be the savior for. Justin's getting the indigenous vote for another term
0: yeah no I agree with you I agree with you um I I do think on if I flip over the, this coin and look at it just from one single year, singular perspective I do think it is a very good job of uh, let's say uh, you know um, brown nosing a little bit more but um, but a very good job of trying to position themselves as you know JT's favorite indigenous group simply because we just say yes to everything he wants and says and does. but it, to actually can't be campaigning really for him to get reelected is is a, an amazing step to take and a very blatant and obvious step to take uh, to try to get gain favor amongst the government which in one regard I can't blame them for trying. I just think that they probably could have picked a better opportunity. Than to try to you know dismantle Jody Wilson-Raybould and her integrity, considering who's doing the dismantling. So
1: well, I th- I think to use their own ter- terminology as real Métis leaders, they are just staying the course.
0: <laughs> that's there. That's perfect, man. That's awesome. I never even thought of that either. Um, you know. now I want to go with this. Um, Now, I want to make a couple of points, too, on this. Um, One is, he's talking about the Indian Act as though he lives within the Indian Act. And let's be very, very clear on this. Métis people are not governed by the Indian Act. And while we may face discrimination, and we we did do residential schools and 60 Scoop, and we've suffered all the trauma, and uh, we've gone through all that, the truth is, is... David Chartrand has no idea what it's like to live as a First Nation person with under the Indian Act. So for him to be even talking about the Indian Act is kind of like me talking about Black Lives Matter down in southern United States. I have no way to actually comprehend what, what life is like for you know, an African-American person in southern United States or Black Lives protesters and Black Lives Matter protesters. I mean, it's just so, how do you, you know, I can't talk intelligently about a lot of things because I don't experience them. And I just want to make it very clear that this is coming from a man who's never, ever in his life lived under the Indian Act. So why why is he even spouting off about a First Nations woman who's lived under the Indian Act, under the sexism of the Indian Act, and all the wonderful benefits of the Indian Act, um... But he hasn't. He's benefited from colonialism. She hasn't. And yet he's con- kind of coming at her from that perspective. And I I think that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize maybe is that Métis people aren't included in the Indian Act. Just because of the Daniels case, the Indian Act is very specific in the first like paragraph. It states this is for First Nations people. Even the Inuit are not within the in- Indian Act. So I, I just think that's an interesting point to make about, you know, a non-Indian Act man coming at her about the Indian Act.
1: Well, and I I think that really boils down to the point is that the MNC is looking to the Indian Act as uh, the main means of gaining access to, to more funds. Yes. And so while if you're a First Nations person, you're trying desperately to get that horrid piece of legislation repealed modified, scrapped, whatever, pick pick a vernacular, the MNC sees it as a gateway to more programs and services. And I think it was their hope that if an Indigenous person had gone in there, that the Métis would be included um, in that administration. You know, we've talked about before about how they want a Métis Act uh, for you know to counterpart the Indian Act,
0: yes, and and I think from their very colonial perspective, it would be a, a huge benefit uh, to Métis people. And however, if you actually you know talk to people who've lived under the Indian Act, uh, it's not so much a benefit as um, kind of like being handcuffed in the back of a police car. Um, so I, I, I just think you know, honestly, uh, for in, in in my humble opinion. I don't think people who don't live under the Indian Act should really comment on what uh, First Nation woman should or should not be doing when it comes to dismantling the Indian Act. Uh, beyond even just the governmental things that we talked about earlier, um, it, it's I, it's just to me to me it's just idiotic to be start talking about something you've never had to actually experience. It's sort of like, and I'll compare this to a a non metis I don't know, uh, let's say professor. Uh, who writes books about Métis identity and, ex- and espouses to be an expert on Métis identity, who he himself is not Métis. And what he says kind of goes against what almost every Métis elder I've ever come across has said about what it is to be Métis. But he's kind of saying their lived experience isn't worth his book experience. And that's kind of how I feel about this, where you know his colonial uh, wonderful life in Canada experience is not the same as a First Nation woman living under the Indian Act. And so he really should just keep his mouth shut, in my opinion.
1: (laughs) And I I think this is historically where we're getting into trouble with these organizations, is we have these people who are designated what they call leaders, you know, these elected officials (laughs) inside of the colonial structure, who really don't respect traditional governance they don't respect women's roles in in community and inside that government structure and so they feel that they can pontificate about everything Yes. and somehow they're enlightened about everything that is everything yeah you know it's like you stated before there's all kinds of indigenous issues we don't talk on yes simply for the fact that it's out of our range absolutely i'm not not on the Navajo Nation, so we don't talk about it because I don't have. What would I have to add to that conversation? I'm not Inuit. I don't live in the north. I'm not part of any of that culture. So how do I speak to those issues? Exactly. And yet we have a, um, uh, you know, like you said, a guy who grew up completely devoid of any experience underneath of the legislative ability of the Indian Act, and his mom, his grandma, and so, and yet we're criticizing. Um, an Indigenous person who chose to be part of the colonial system for better or for worse. And somehow we feel because, what, we've got an elevated position that, you know what, I'm, I'm a governmental leader for the Métis people. You know, like, like it's so much of this is BS politics. It really shows, for an Indigenous person, how far removed these, these leaders are, uh, you know, from the grassroots.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and I you know you've brought up a couple times tonight uh, you know sexism in the Indian act and stuff, and I think that's an important part of of this conversation. And granted, you know, we're two guys and and now we're gonna journey off on the, the topic of you know sexism. so that might be even a little hypocritical there. but the truth is is I think i I, I do think that because it was an indigenous woman, it's easier to do this first of all. Um, it's easier for him to, to step up and do this. I, I haven't done this yet, but I, I kind of would like to research what their response was to, um, oh, Elijah Harper, who basically filibustered the Meach Lake Accord because I'm sure the Meach Lake Accord probably, in their opinion, would have been in the most be- benevolent and wonderful thing to happen to Métis in, since, you know, sliced bread. Uh, so I'll have to research that and what they what their response was to you know, Elijah Harper doing that. But I, for me, it, it's playing up, and and beyond the fact that I, I realize that they're just campaigning for Trudeau, so all of their credibility is completely lost in my opinion, right then and there. But the, there's a there's a whole underlying thing here where, um, they're basically pitting the colonial system against this one indigenous woman, as though she could have completely re- renovated the Canadian government had she just had some integrity and honor and well, oh, or stayed the course stayed the course right and then to to just say she's wrong i mean there's a you know if i disagree with you jason i you know if i just go you're wrong you're wrong well that that's not a conversation anymore and that's not an intelligent conversation i can say hey i i disagree with you here's my reasons why no problem but to, to simply state r- flat out, she's wrong, I'm right. You know, that's that's essentially what this is. Um, it's it, it just, to me, it, it sits wrong. Uh, you have an Indigenous woman who is standing up for what she believes and what she's been taught in her life. She's speaking her truth from her perspective. And so when he does these things, uh, to me, it's not just, dis- you know, first it's pitting us versus them. It's us versus Jody Wilson-Raybould. Even though she's still in the Liberal Party and she's still an elected Liberal MP, so I don't know. Um, But it's also like you can either, you can vote for Trudeau or you can support just Jody Wilson-Raybould, but you can't do both. And then even further to that, I I think to me this is completely 100% disrespectful to her, what she has done, what she's accomplished, what she's, her life that she's lived and what she's been through but it to me disrespects her, her nation her people, their laws, their traditions um everything and it, it disrespects everything about her and her people to just come out here and critique that if she'd had taken this position everything would be better and uh, I as much as I want to say that's ignorance and naivety, I think it's a it's a very very clear message that in their mind, Indigenous women don't have the right to stand up to this. They should just toe the line. Sit down, shut up, and do what you're told, and then everything would have been great. Um, so I just, to me, all of this sits wrong, and I just, I don't you know, I guess I wanted to rant about that a little bit and just get that off my chest, because it's been bugging me for like three weeks now, the way these guys are talking about this stuff um, in that light.
1: Well, and I think, again... It it shows that they're not willing to take the moral high ground on, on any real issue. They're willing to take advantage, to throw shade, and to do anything to further whatever cause it is that they seem to get behind. And where does a Métis leader get off criticizing and critiquing an MP of the government and what that MP of the government does or doesn't do? Yes. The very fact she's Indigenous shouldn't come into it at all. True. The fact that she chose to personally pick a portfolio or not. Last time I checked, Canada was still a free country and it's her right to do so. Yes. It is a complete politicizing from the Métis perspective, as far as these leaders go, to even bring this up as an issue. Yes. Yes. This is an MP inside of the colonial government who said no thank you to taking on a portfolio because of their personal background. And last time I checked, what does that have to do with anything the Métis Nation is doing? Absolutely. yeah. simply took the opportunity to throw shade her way to try to put Justin Trudeau in a better light when it comes to Indigenous issues. Yes. That really shows me how low they're willing to go to put their weight behind Justin in the neck the upcoming election.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're willing to, you know, basically throw an Indigenous woman under the bus, so to speak, in order to accomplish their goals. They will step on anybody's toes and stand on anybody's shoulders. And I, I find it very interesting that we continuously have these kinds of discussions about specifically David Chartrand, uh, when he stands up to, you know, a Manitoba chief and says, you guys don't own the land. And he does these things consistently, repeatedly, over and over, disrespecting First Nations, disrespecting their their right to their territory, disrespecting their right to make personal choices in their job um, in this case. and, and, so the, the, he capitalizes on those opportunities at every step. He's politicizing this for his benefit. And yet they have the nerve to then turn around and say, you know, oh, Eastern Métis are trying to usurp First Nations' rights. Like, it, everything about them, about specifically about the way they've handled this situation, is completely hypocritical. And yet they're casting shade on her, essentially calling her a hypocrite. And uh, I just it just makes me shake my head and it, it honestly infuriates me because in, to, to a certain level because we have this, uh, you know this a lot of people are saying we need to respect our indigenous women. We need to put them back in positions traditionally that they always had, positions of authority, positions of respect, positions of dignity. Uh, we need to start rebuilding that. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that they have no comprehension of, of traditional um, governance systems. And that makes it, this is so clear that they don't. Because they say, well, respect Indigenous women, but then they don't. <laughs> the first opportunity they can, they will choose the colonial paycheck over showing support for an Indigenous woman. Um, and the worst part is, is you don't even have to, it, this isn't us versus Jody Wilson-Raybould. You can very much say, look, I I support Jody Wilson in her right to speak up and the right to do what she's done, her right to refuse a portfolio. That I respect that and I support that because she's a human being at the end of the day. However, I also support Justin Trudeau and the efforts that they have made towards Indigenous blah, blah, blah. You can have both. She's still in the frigging party. Like, <laughs> it's... It's not all or nothing. It it, it can be both. And and they chose this opportunity to just simply cast shade and try to discredit her to the benefit of Trudeau. Rather than saying, look, we respect her and what she had to say, but we also still support JT. To me, that would have been a very ethical and a very uh, good way to approach this. But they chose, once again, the low road.
1: Yeah, well, that's just it. It's par for the course, isn't it? At what point have they taken the high road since we started doing this? And yeah. and I think that's a real point. And, and when you want to break it down and say, what does it mean for them when they say stay the course? Well, stay the course is you keep your head down and do whatever it takes to get that money. And yes. That's, that's what the MNC and the MMF's continual position is, is they'll pretty much do anything to get the money. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how long you got to sign an agreement to, you got to sell out. Oh, you got to throw into the bus. That's what staying the course means to them. So when Jody says I can't do that, I, you know, it goes against my conscience or my, you know, identity, whatever her personal reason is, and she doesn't have to give us one. No. That uh, she doesn't want to do that job. What business does it have any of ours to comment on it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and
1: yet, and yet, there they are. They got to put out a publication <laughs> to the media at large to make a comment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I I think it's hilarious that he chose to use the words uh, crown jewel of reconciliation. I, I think that's the most one of the funniest phrases I've heard him utter. Simply because you couldn't get more colonial in saying crown jewel of reconciliation. And You'd literally have the crown the word crown in there. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of weird that way maybe sometimes, but I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Um,
1: Well, you are, but it's okay. We like you anyway.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Mm. Well, and if you don't like me, just accept me. Um, I guess, uh, you know, the last thing I I wanted to kind of point out too is that, you know, he talks about this and I I said, you know, he doesn't live under the Indian Act. And I just, why would it matter to him or to the cartel at, at any length whether she took that portfolio or not? Because if she takes that portfolio and dismantles the Indian Act, that doesn't benefit Métis Nation at all. Other than um, it maybe makes First Nations more equal in things, I guess. But as we've proven time and time again on the show, they're they're not interested in, in helping First Nations or aligning with First Nations or working with First Nations. So I just don't, I don't understand why he you know, is attacking her for something that really doesn't even affect him, even if she took the portfolio and had the authority to dismantle the Indian Act, that doesn't affect the eighteen Nation. So why is he even talking about it? Like,
1: it- No, and that's what I mean, though, is when we started this, is this is a complete case of misdirection. Totally. This is trying to paint somebody else as the bad guy when it comes to government and First Nation relations. Yes. You know, reconciliation could have had a crown jewel. You know? <laughs> If only, if only, Yeah, you know, and so we're not, you know, it's a total, you know, distraction from the fact that Justin Trudeau hasn't lived up to his promises for four years in regards to what he was supposed to do. Totally. The fact that he, he should lose the entire indigenous vote coming up to the next election. Yes. But, but Hey, we have an opportunity to throw a little bit of misdirection let's let's muddy the waters a bit and let's get people a little bit distracted and confused and hope we can put that money where our mouths is so we can show we're really worth paying as the MAT National Council oh you absolutely know, we can and I think that's what this is all about
0: yeah well and especially considering they're on the cusp of signing these framework agreements uh, whether the metis you know members of their organization support it or not they're on the cusp of signing them. And uh, so I I think it goes, you know, it's so blatantly political speak, this thing, um, and them trying to become the favored son uh, in this situation, as opposed to, you know, maybe being the, you know, a little bit more on the outside. I think they're really trying to get in there and sign these framework agreements. And I think they honestly are hoping that they can get those done before, either before the election or, or at least get him elected do whatever we can to make sure he gets elected so we can get these things signed uh, before, you know, the blue guys get in and, and these frameworks disappear. So it, it's, again, it's it's hilarious that he's saying, you know, she, she shouldn't put her personal preferences over the pursuit of reconciliation. And yet that's all these guys tend to do is is wherever the money is, that's where they go and they get paid well for this stuff. And they have a very, very comfortable life. Compared to most team um, members that that they have in their organizations, who don't get a lot of those benefits, so it's again, who's the hypocrite here in this one? But uh, but like you said, it's well, just political.
1: I I would really like to see them put their money where their mouth is, and when it comes to their own organization and their own hereditary positions within these democ- democratically elected, you know, positions. Next time Chartran is up for an election. And there's no one to run against him, that he does the right thing and finds somebody to run against him. Yeah, that would be something of integrity to say, how can he be duly elected? Yes, when there's no one to run.
0: yeah, exactly and and let's let's be honest, they uh, they definitely all of the organizations within the metis National Council uh, and the Métis National Council itself, Really need to consider revising their uh, their election requirements in order to even run for those positions, because they've basically essentially made it nearly impossible, uh, in some cases, for somebody to run against them. So yeah, come on, let's let's put the road take the roadblocks down. Let's fix uh, fix our own house before we start telling the neighbors how to fix theirs.
1: Well, at the very least, stop criticizing what an MP does inside of the colonial political structure if we're not gonna at least be able to criticize what's happening in the MMF structure. And yeah. how you know about the MNC structure where there isn't one Metis citizen of the nation who actually gets to vote for the guy. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and, you and know, if we're
1: gonna if we're gonna throw shade on on political people inside of their institutions in their forms of government. I would think they may want it to go for an umbrella if they're going to start, you know, throwing <laughs> things into the fan.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and that brings up a really good point. Um, like, I mean, I, I know I've heard a lot of stories from Métis people. I'm sure you have as well. That, You know, if, if they decide to speak up or speak out against the Métis nation in any way, shape or form, you know, they're ostracized, they're ignored, they're disrespected, they're ousted, they're... They're, um, you know, they're they're discredited and smear campaign kind of thing, and um, which is exactly what they're doing with Jody Wilson Raybould. So it's it's interesting that people within their own quote unquote nation um, who dare speak up or speak out and oftentimes end up out. They end up. Uh, Losing their membership or up for review, or suddenly we can't find you know, there's no paperwork with your membership, so you're gonna have to reapply, or you know, or, or something, or we you're not invited to certain events and, and things like that. I, I've even seen an experience um, where uh, you know, a Metis elder was asked to do a prayer and uh, for a public for a bridge renaming. And, uh, you know, they were asked, the, the Métis Nation asked that that elder not do the prayer simply because that elder spoke out against them in in a, in a way. So, you know, these things happen and, and it's very real. And, and so I think it's funny that, you know, he's casting shade on her just as they cast shade on their own members who dare speak up.
1: Well, and I think that's how they operate. If they're willing to do that in their own organization to people who are our elders and people who are esteemed within community, why wouldn't they then take the opportunity to, you know, do that to someone who's inside the colonial political structure? Uh, you know, at some point, Métis people should be able to hold their own leadership to better account. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, those who live in glass houses, I mean, there's so many issues that we've talked about with their financials, with their transparency, accountability. I mean, if, if they had, if they had a clean house and if they had were running things well, and it was actually an elected position a real, truly democratic position, then okay. If you want to criticize others, that's fine. But uh, when you have so many issues yourself, I think you better just, Stay focused on your own issues and, and let the let the colonial uh, people play in their in their system. but um, but then I guess you you wouldn't be active in getting your your uh, paychecks reelected.
1: And that's really what's staying the course here. Yes, that's really what what the status quo is for this organization is is really sucking up to the, the big red machine in government. Oh, yeah. To make sure they, they can show that they did, uh, of the three Indigenous people groups, they're the ones who are there for the Trudeau. They were the ones trying to get the Indigenous vote behind Trudeau. And so when it comes time after the election, they'll be the first one to belly up to the plate. They can it for us now, big JT. <laughs>
0: yep. The answer to our prayers. So, yeah, it's... uh, I I I'm... Hoping that this is the last of the bashing Jody Wilson-Raybould that we will see from these organizations, um, and I, I would like to ask uh, both David Chartrand and, and Clem Chartier to stop talking about them, about her now. Um, fix your own shit before you start throwing shade on anybody else. But let's actually start showing some respect for our Indigenous women um, of any nation. And uh, even though you may disagree with what she did or how she did it or what she said, really, you're actually not in government. You have no inside scoop. You don't know what happened. So it's probably best that you just stay quiet, shut your mouth, and fix your own, you know, clean up your own garbage before you start speaking about anybody else. That would be my request of them because I'm I'm honestly getting real tired of hearing about their their crap craptastic statements about her, so... leave that one, guys and
1: and it's getting old um i'd really like to see them do something other than try to back justin trudeau in the next election i'd like to hear them put out a statement that wasn't in regards to him being elected in the next term if they actually did something that was for metis people that didn't revolve around somehow getting more money um you know if was there one cultural event going on one language course like what in the crap is actually happening Inside the Métis Nation, other than they're trying to get Justin Trudeau elected,
0: yeah, they're they're and and everything really stems from that. These framework agreements, the funding agreements, all these M um, O U S and promises, it really stems from him getting reelected. And I, again, it's so disingenuous, it's so fake in their their uh, their love of him or their, you know, their claim that they represent all these Métis people, but they don't. I mean, I've seen numerous uh, scores of people not supporting their statements on Jody Wilson Raybould. So they're not representing anybody, but their corporate best interests for the nonprofit corporation that they run. And, uh, you know, again, we've talked about that numerous times in the past, but essentially that's what this boils down to is that uh, they're running nonprofit corporations and they're going to do what's best for them and for that corporation far and away before anybody else. So. I hope this is the end of it, though I really do.
1: Well, um, at this rate, the election can't come too soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I mean, let let's be honest. I I I just from a total non-Indigenous perspective, I I don't see a lot of competition for Justin Trudeau out there. I mean, I don't think Shear has the has the poll or the capacity to beat him at this point. Um, will the Liberals lose seats? Possibly. Uh, they might lose overall votes. But, um, so, I mean, th- th- again, this doesn't have to be us versus them or, or, you know, us versus, you have to support the party or support her, but you can't do both. I mean, she's in the party, man. You can support the party and her. Like, it's, it's really quite simple. So, I don't know. I just, uh, it, it, it just seems like, uh, in all honesty, I don't think this is going to, I can't see more than a, you know, a handful of friends and neighbors that they, they the, of the Chartrans and Chartiers, who actually will vote for Trudeau because they want them to, everybody else is either going to vote who they want to or who they don't. So really, to me, this is kind of a, even though they're really trying hard to, to campaign for him, it, it just comes across as really, they're just basically sucking up and trying to be the favorite son so that after the election, if and when he does win, they can go, see, see, we were totally supportive of you. Does that mean we get a few more crumbs, Master? And, uh, that's really how I see it.
1: Well, and I think, let's be really honest, if we're going to you know, rub that crystal ball and pop the genie out of the lamp for a minute, I, I think the reality is, is, is uh, we're going to see a lot of paperwork in the next term. Justin Trudeau, maybe with a smaller government, fewer seats, less votes, is very likely, like you said, to get in for the next election. There's no real need to kiss his backside quite so strenuously in this election, because he's probably going to win. Yes. You know, um, and and all your hopes and biggest dreams will come true and all the frameworks will come through. I think the problem we have is, like we've we've said before, is the Trudeau government is not some injuring monolith that will go past the next election. Yeah. You know, political tides come and go and they shift. For sure. And so... If they really wanted to have longevity to this funding, if they wanted to make sure that it was going to be entrenched, they would be doing a lot more cross-party politicking than they are. They've put all their eggs in the Trudeau basket, hoping that after the next election, some of the framework agreements will become entrenched. But how much of that funding will become entrenched? Yes. How much of it is going to be subject in the future for when Sheer inevitably gets in? Yes. Sooner or later. Yep. And you know what the conservatives are going to do. They're going to bring it back austerity, and there's going to be budget cuts and all these financial woes that we've seen under Harper for for Indigenous people and Indigenous programs. And we have a short-sighted government, and as far as these people claim to be for the Métis people who have their foresight. It doesn't go two generations. It doesn't go one generation. Yeah. Never mind seven. <laughs> All that Métis hopes and dreams are hanging on Justin Trudeau getting reelected; these framework agreements being turned into concrete so the Métis people can come home at the end of the Justin Trudeau and say that the Métis National Council is in fact a government, and whatever that might mean. <laughs> yeah. It'll be legally framework as such. Yeah. But after that, then what? No yeah. one's asking the question: What happens when the red guys aren't in? What happens when there's no more Justin Trudeau? Yeah. What happens when Jesus goes back to heaven and retires from politics and you're left with the blue guy who's now like the Antichrist?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think uh, it goes back to, you know, I I can't, the whole time you were talking there, I was thinking about something we said, or you said many episodes ago, uh, maybe even November, October, something like that, about how, uh, you know, these guys, it's, they're not long for the world, like in, in staying in these positions. They're not going to be there forever. They're not going to be there another thirty years, uh, these Métis, quote leaders. So yeah, I think I think you're dead right. I think it's a it's a very short sightedness, because really for David Chartrand and Clem Chartier, how many more years do they really have at these positions um, before they go? You know what? I've got enough money in the bank. I've I've got you know everything in my life is paid off. I got a cushy life. I can retire. And likely get a pension out of these organizations, but um, you know maybe they only got f- another four years out of them, maybe till the next Métis election, which will happen kind of midterm of the the next government, which let's let's say for now is Trudeau. So really, they're they're trying to get the gravy train elected, so that when they run out their clocks, they can walk away going, "Wow, we left it in such good shape." Oh, look at all the wondrous amazing things we did and all that money that was on the table. Yeah, and like you said when the blue when the blue team comes in, those things tend to go away. And uh so essentially they're just like basically saying, you know, well, it's going to be good until we leave and then after that who cares? Like they're they're not preparing this like you said for for even an, the next generation. It's it's just till as far as they see their term in these specific positions, um, in my opinion. And that's, that's what it seems like to me. So
1: very short-sighted. It is. is. And it doesn't take a crystal ball to really see what's going on. Most of the, the Métis people have, you know, Métis current leadership have one term left. And, uh, in Alberta, we know that, that our leader is probably going to be done after the next four year term. And so they're pushing very hard to get Trudeau elected because we've already seen these framework agreements signed. Yeah. We've seen the, the we've seen the construct take shape behind closed doors of of what these Metis governments, landless governments might look like. These these bodies that will be termed governments that do nothing more than administrate programs and services, but yes. don't have one acre of real estate. We're beginning to see what that's gonna take shape as. You know, we're we're seeing that shadow of of the Daniels case saying that that Métis people have access to programs and services. We're seeing the Métis National Council become the agency for those Red River Métis people as the source of that, the the bottleneck through which that money will flow. Mm -hmm. And I think after the election, you're going to find very short order. That you're gonna these people will be walking out of out of Parliament Hill with this new government terminology framed by the Canadian government that the Métis National Council will be a legally defined government that'll be their big win mm-hmm. and all these guys are gonna retire absolutely and and that'll be that and two years later not, you know in all honesty the Trudeau government will be gone the blue guys will be in and how much of that money? how much of that programs and services will actually be left for Métis people. So if you're in a broke down trailer living on the roadside, if you're passionate about harvesting rights, if you're passionate about Métis people seeing their culture, their language endure, I don't see much of this good times going past the next four years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's unfortunate and, and, I mean, there's many examples of how short-sighted these guys are with all these you know the hydro deals that they sign and they they basically tie the hands of the next few generations, the next 50 years of metis people. Um, so it's, it's again, it's a it's a running theme, just like their lack of support for indi- for First Nations. It's a running theme. Um, so you know, again, colonial colonial structured people in a colonial structured organization, funded by a colonial structure and a colonial and colonial people within a colonial system. And, and they're going to speak to what's best for indigenous people. So I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else, what more we can say about this for tonight. Um, I don't know if you have any final, final thoughts for our listeners, Jason, but uh...
1: find your shorts. It's going to be spring soon.
0: (laughs) Yes, it, it hopefully will. Absolutely.
1: That, that that that's my, you know, if mother nature's listening, I'm I'm behind you. You can come now. I'm I'm tired of the snow.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding, eh? Right on. All right. Well, I I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. Um check us out on social media for sure and uh you know, obviously uh, you can head to social media and let us know what you thought of tonight's episode. We will be uh sharing it and stuff, so you can let us know. Otherwise, I think for both Jason and I until next week. The jig is up
1: the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land and it will be a fire that doesn't burn
0: but a fire that cleanses a fire that ignites in our hearts and creates
1: light no more living in darkness our time now is to be light in the world